DPL solved the two biggest hurdles that I believe keep advisors from using this as a standard recommendation. In this episode of Advisor Revelations, hear why this DPL member made the switch to using commission-free annuities. He shares tips for having the insurance conversations with clients as a fiduciary and provides successful steps for implementing these solutions. Welcome to the Advisor Revelations podcast. I'm Leslie, a consultant here at DPL Financial Partners. Today, we will discuss retirement income strategies and best practices with the CEO of Vestia Personal Wealth Advisors, Tommy Martin. Tommy, thanks for taking the time to join us today. Yeah, Leslie, thanks so much for having me. I'm really thankful to be here. Well, we appreciate it. And I know, Tommy, you and Vestia have been DPL members for about four years now. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your firm before we get started? For sure. So, Leslie, I had the honor of helping build a really a nationwide $1.5 billion RIA that specialized in serving high income doctors all over the country. And eventually, a group of us decided we wanted to branch off and we bought out a portion of that prior RIA and launched the firm that's called Vestia. So, that's V as in victory. And, you know, I told my mother about it and she called it Vestia. And she kept saying Vestia. And I finally called her one day. I was like, Mom, that's how George W. Bush would say it. It's Vestia. And so she gets it now. And through that, we've had the opportunity to work with some of the leading doctors in America and then ultimately had the opportunity to partner up and launch a healthcare and fintech venture capital firm called Mammoth. And that was really one of the first venture firms built from the ground up to serve RIAs. So it's given me really an opportunity to work all throughout the, the RIA space. And I'm still actively involved with strategy at Vestia, but spend most of my time these days actually on the venture capital side. Very cool. Thanks for that detail. Curiosity question here. Vestia sounds to me like a Latin word. What does that mean? What does that imply? You know, we went to our marketing firm when we launched and we said, look, we don't care what you call us. We just want to be able to own page one and two of Google. And so from an American sense, it's very much a made up term. There's definitely a Spanish root. And a uh, little known fact, we had to buy the domain. So Vestia.com, we had to buy it from a company in Scandinavia that specialized in housing. So there's some kind of housing aspect. And then I think some kind of female dress aspect in Spanish. Aha. Thank you. Okay. Interesting twist there. I was not expecting that. <laughs> so, Tommy, with your background, I know from chatting with you, you weren't always on board with utilizing annuities. Sounds like you may have dabbled a bit here and there, but what was really your aha moment for? fully embracing annuities as a tool for your clients. Yeah, you know, I have to give a little bit of my backstory. So over 20 years ago now, it's crazy to me that I can say that. I don't feel that old. But I actually started my career in the financial service industry with a pretty aggressive insurance company training program. And I won't name names here, but they pushed annuities really hard. And when I eventually went down the RIA path, I swore, and that's been maybe 
16, 17 years ago now. At that time, I swore I would never touch that annuity garbage ever again. I really thought of it as a four-letter word, like a total heel on the industry. And why? Because, you know, they were really expensive, had these massive surrender penalties. So if clients wanted to change their mind, they couldn't. And they were paying a massive 10% commission. So I just saw them kind of as this like super advisor self-serving product that really wasn't doing a lot for the client. And it felt like the tax benefits that were the big thing they were pumping back in those days, it felt like you were eradicating those benefits with costs. So for me, I was just like, I'm staying away from this stuff. And it was, gosh, maybe... I don't even know the year, Leslie, but there's a professor in the annuity space, a gentleman named Moshi Molesky. And I'd actually followed this guy and he had always told me like how bad annuities were. And then I see this article that he had published and he in that is like confessions of a reformed annuity critic. I think that might have been the title back then. And what he says in it is, you know, I've said for years and years that these are terrible products, but... Now, the way that they are now being created with some of the new things that had come on the scene, like living benefits, and I think we'll talk about that type of thing a little bit more later, but with these living benefits coming on the scene and annuities went through major repricing, commissions went way down, he said, you know, I no longer believe that you could bake these types of protections in your own kitchen for less cost. And so that for me, I was always very research driven, very academic. I helped start the first CFP program for professionals in my home state of Indiana. You know, I always took a very academic approach and tried to stay emotionally disattached from any products. And here is one of the leading professors in this space saying, I too used to feel the way you felt. And now I have reformed that opinion because these are different products today than they were back when you had those original feelings. And so for me, that was really the start of the turning point. And timing wise, this must have been had to be 2005 or 2006, because I vividly remember one of the very first clients I actually took this potential opportunity to with living benefits. I sat down with her. We talked through the options of just having a normal investment account. We talked through the option of having some of the money inside of an annuity. And we talked about these living benefit protections, kind of having a safety net on her portfolio. And she chose to put a million dollars into the annuity. And the timing had to be about that time because it was 2007 or 2008. She was back in my office for a review and she came in. When she sat down, she was just in tears. And I looked at her, I said, what's happening? And she just started crying, saying, the market is down so much. And she had her annuity statement and it showed the account value had dropped from a million dollar deposit down to something in the $600,000 range. Might've been 690,000, might've been 610,000. I don't remember that detail, but it had dropped that much and she was just in tears. And I said to her, did you flip over the paper? Because back then they showed the safety net value on the backside of the page. Today we show it on the same page because we've gotten a lot smarter. 
But they showed it on the backside of the page and she shook her head. She's still in tears. She says, no. So I flipped the paper over for her and it shows her safety net value as a million sixty thousand dollars. And she looked at it. She said, what's that? And I said to her, that's your safety net value. That's the whole reason you did this. Don't you remember this conversation? And I, clearly she did not, which is, you know, bad on me. But she looked at it and she said, so wait, so that's the value that my income would be calculated off of? And I was like, yes. She got up from the table, walked over and gave me the biggest hug I have ever gotten from a client. And in that moment, Leslie, I went from like, I might tell this story to a few people to, oh my goodness, I would be violating my duty as a fiduciary if I don't give this option to people entering those retirement years. And I still believe that to this day, and certainly DPLs made it an even better part of that story. But even back then in the days when they were just first starting to get these products right, I knew immediately this is something that we have to talk about with each and every client going into retirement. Otherwise, we are doing them a disservice to not give them this option. Absolutely. That's a fantastic story. And I'm curious, two-part question here. Was there something specific about her person, her financial plan or her personality that you thought would make her a better candidate for presenting that as an option? And now has it shifted to where you don't prejudge and present annuity strategies as an option to all of your clients? Yeah, so... I think the differentiator, Leslie, was most of our clients at that day were in their late 30s or early 40s. We always worked with a pretty young demographic. So this was one of the first clients that we had that was actually getting pretty close to retirement phase. I think it was also I had a personal relationship. And so I felt at the time I felt a little bit more comfort kind of, you know, putting myself out there with this being a new thing for me. I felt like I could just kind of lay all my cards face up on the table and say to this friend, hey, look, you know, this is something I used to think. I think I even told her, you know, I used to think these things were a four letter word. This is really my first entry back into this space. And, you know, I just want to give you all the options. There's no pressure one way or the other. I'm pretty sure back in those days, because this was not an RIA friendly product, I would have just fully disclosed to her what the commission was. And obviously on a million dollar deposit is probably a pretty handsome commission, but I would have just told her exactly what it was. You know, I, I was very willing to be very open about those things. And so, yeah, it was kind of a one off at the time. Since then, obviously, we've had a lot of clients get closer to that retirement age. And so that's really for us, what kind of drives that conversation is timing where we have this sense of, okay, they're going to be moving into the distribution phase sometime in the next 10 years or so. That really for us starts a trigger point of that conversation of, hey, we need to be thinking about your retirement and what you want that to look like. And there's lots of ways to do it well. These are some of the options our other clients are glad that we've talked with them about. And so, 
you know, then we put it on the table for anybody. And it's not always right for every client, but at least I want them to know about it because we're in this day and age, Leslie. It's like everybody right now is talking about mental health and long-term, even physical and mental challenges of stress. And how do we have the most happiness in retirement? And I continue to look at research on a regular basis. And I have not seen one piece of research come out of anywhere in academics yet that doesn't make it really clear that one of the most important factors of just low stress in retirement is having a guaranteed monthly paycheck that can pay your basic living expenses. And it really doesn't matter what decimal point those living expenses are, as long as you've got your basic expenses covered on a guaranteed paycheck basis, because that's what you're used to, then we know that people have a lot less stress in retirement. And I think that's what most people actually want. So I continue to be a huge advocate of, at least for those basic living expenses, you know, food, clothing, shelter, property taxes, visiting your grandchildren, those things that you want to be able to do and not have to even think about it. Why would we not get protection in place for that? And so that's why now that's a regular conversation for us. What we're ultimately saying to them is, look, do you want some insurance on your nest egg? Like you still insure your house, even though it's paid off. You still insure your car, even though it's paid off. You worked your entire life to build up this nest egg. Do you want to spend a little bit of money to have some insurance for it? And by and large, most people say yes, that they want to have some guaranteed income that they don't have to think about. And I've loved that conversation, even with all of my parents, in-laws, parents, et cetera, to be able to say, look, don't you want some portion of your income where when the news is on and it's talking about how the market just tanked, that you don't even have to think about it? And their answer is yes. So since we made that flip, Leslie, you know, we've had since then, we've had COVID come about. We've had some pretty major movement in the market, not always up. And anytime the market goes down without fail, I get calls from certain people. We help set these tools up and they say, thank you so much. I'm just calling you because I just saw on the news today, the market tanked and I'm not worried about it. And that is like, that is like getting that huge hug from that client all over again, every single time it happens. So I'm a huge believer now. That's a great story. Thanks for sharing some of those details with us. And I think really for a lot of folks, having gone through what's pretty much been a decade of almost straight up all the time, we lose the the sense of the emotional impact of what those market downturns can do. And we don't always appreciate that the timing of somebody's retirement might be very near and dear and important to them for the things that they're wanting to achieve in their lives or other unexpected events that may come later that if you have to delay retirement, you may not get to, right? So I think it provides some better certainty around the planning, but also that emotional piece, which we try really hard to measure our academic friends and the studies that you've shared have tried really hard to measure. But at the end of the day, I think sometimes it comes down to the hug. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. And realizing for us, a lot of times clients are like, you know, it's a very mathematical calculation and we're looking at the numbers or the plan or all those things. And those things are really important. That's part of our job. But we always have to remember this is also a human and we know from behavioral economics that a lot of the reasons people make financial decisions have nothing to do with the math, has everything to do with relationships, how they grew up, their trigger points with money. And what our job as advisors to do is not just maximize the math on paper, but maximize the math in real life. And when you take into account those variables, I think most advisors are going to find that their clients actually are going to be way better served if they have some component of guaranteed income throughout their entire retirement. And I've never had that come back to bite us or I've never had somebody come back and say, oh, my goodness, I can't believe you put me in this vehicle. It has been absolutely a positive experience for our clients. That's fantastic. I love hearing that. So shifting gears a little bit and focusing on commission-free insurance, and you mentioned, you know, how annuities got repriced back in the early 2000s to deliver a bit more client value. Can you share a bit of your initial thoughts about what you thought about DPL when you first heard of us and why you decided to partner with us? Absolutely. So, Leslie, I saw this release on LinkedIn. I saw this like press release and it was talking about this company with this wild idea to bring kind of institutional level annuities to the RIA channel that got rid of commissions. And I knew immediately that was going to be something very special because if you go back to why do people think annuities or are a four letter word to begin with, you know, when you hear the very public personalities on the radio, you know, we can immediately think of three or four of them. When you hear them saying annuities are awful, if you have an annuity, your advisor is terrible. What are they talking about to make that claim? Well, it's really simple. It's only two things. It's either the cost or it's the surrender penalty that they've locked you into something and now you can't change your mind. Those are the two issues because the other features of annuities, whether it's tax advantages or lifetime guaranteed income or a death benefit or long-term care, all these other things are great things. So the only things people are complaining about are cost and surrender penalties. Well, a commission-free annuity product helps with both of those immensely. By definition, when we don't have a commission to pay, we don't have to have a surrender penalty anymore. So that is by far the biggest pain point because as long as your client can change their mind, your life's pretty easy as an advisor because if they listen to one of those radio personalities and automatically decide, I don't want this annuity anymore, when they call you and say, I need to get out of it, you just move them out of it. It's not very difficult. And then the cost side, I've seen examples of the DPL institutional level products with no commissions with costs being a third or more less than their retail counterparts. I mean, it's pretty incredible what you can accomplish if you get rid of that commission. So now that other side, the cost side, we get ourselves in a really simple position where we can say to a client, hey, look, is it worth spending a little bit of money 
to protect your hard-earned nest egg, like to put some insurance on it. And now it's a reasonable amount of money. It's not like an exorbitant amount of money like it used to be. So DPL solved the two biggest hurdles that I believe keep advisors from using this as a standard recommendation. And now that they've solved those two big hurdles, I am going to say this on record. If advisors are not making this as an opportunity for their clients, I believe 100% they are violating their fiduciary duty to those clients because it is their job to make sure their clients understand the best options for that client. And who are we to judge if that client should be paying for insurance for their nest egg or not? The client is the one who should be making that decision, not us as the advisor. And again, I'll also say, I don't think every client should have an annuity, but I think every client going into that distribution phase in retirement should have the discussion about an annuity unless they have some massive pension plan from Dow Chemical, the way that my grandfather did. Great. I give them a free pass because they already have an annuity. It's just through their employer. Outside of a big pension, they need to have some guaranteed income options on the table. There's no better way to do that than through an annuity. I could not agree with you more on that sentiment. I think we look at some of the academic commentary out there, specifically around like probability of success and the idea that people, quote unquote, don't need an annuity because they have more than enough money. It negates that emotional and behavioral aspect of what's going on with the client's plan. You know, my parents have plenty of money. My mother thinks the only money that is savings money, that is safe money, is the money that's at the bank, right? And they own an annuity. They're incredibly happy with it. But for them, even having plenty of assets to fund their retirement and fund their long-term care if they end up needing it, adding that annuity for my mother has given her the ability to feel much more secure in their retirement plan and know that she's not going to be a bag lady. And that's something that probability can't tease out. That's right. And all of those models that we think about that are just pure investment products without any insurance benefits associated with them, all of those models that are built are predicated on the idea that people are rational decision makers 100% of the time. And we know with certain from behavioral economics that there's not one human out there that is always a rational agent. So we can't build our strategies assuming this vacuum of perfection that people don't encompass in their own, you know, six inches between their ears. And if we continue to neglect that as advisors, we leave the most important part of the puzzle off of the table. It just makes no sense. So we have to factor that in. And there's ways to do that now that take that piece into account. And I would never recommend somebody's putting all their money into annuities. I think the research that I'm familiar with, Leslie, says kind of that basic living expenses, if we have those protected from guaranteed income, that's what matters the most. If we just want to use a normal equity account or a 80-20 model or whatever it may be, if that's what we want to use 
for the rest of their money to keep up with inflation better and all those other things. I'm a huge, huge fan of that. But for those basic living expenses, I think it's a huge miss to not put this on the table for clients. Absolutely. Backtracking a little bit to when you guys actually start talking to clients about utilizing annuities, you mentioned kind of that 10-year window. Why is that 10-year window so important to you? Why is that when you start initiating those conversations? Yeah, Leslie, it's because products have changed over the years. So, you know, back when I had that conversation with that kind of original client friend, the one that gave me the big hug, Guaranteed minimum income benefits or guaranteed minimum withdrawal benefits, GMIB, GMWB, whatever you want to call it. I think it just depends on the product. But those things, the way they were structured is you had like a guaranteed increase every year. And a lot of those products, it lasted for 20 years. Well, pretty much everything these days has compressed that down to a 10-year window. And so that for us is like, if we're relying on this kind of guaranteed minimum increase, so even when the market value goes down, you know, somebody puts in a million dollars, the market value goes down, now it's worth $800,000. We want something when they turn the page over, or now it's on the same page, but when they look at the safety net value, we want them to be able to see a million fifty thousand dollars or $1,045,000, whatever the rate is today. We want them to be able to see that increase. And if we're not going to have that increase, then it's really hard for me to look and say that this paying for the extra insurance is worthwhile then. So if we know that that guaranteed period is 10 years, for me, that sets a really nice kind of runway to say, look, you've said you want to retire at age 65, you're age 55. Why don't we now move some money over to this place where we can calculate 10 years down the road? We can define today when they implement that product. We can define exactly what the guaranteed minimum income will be 10 years from now. And we get to count in all of that growth over the next 10 years. And obviously, you know, Leslie, as you know, and hopefully our listeners know, if the market does better, then they're going to have more income. But from a planning standpoint, at age 55, 10 years before they're trying to retire, we can look at their plan and we can build in the guaranteed minimum income that we know is going to be there at age 65 in this case. And that is why we like to do it at that period, because it allows us to forecast an absolute worst case scenario. We no longer have to think about a Monte Carlo simulation and kind of pretend that that bottom 10% or 25% of scenarios doesn't exist. Now we know there's a minimum floor that they are going to be able to have a reasonably comfortable retirement no matter what happens. So that's why we like to start at that time, have that conversation, give them kind of 10 years of runway to season this thing, and then know if we want to, we flip that switch and start taking that guaranteed lifetime income for either them or them and their spouse. And with a lot of these products now, in the old days, you couldn't do that for a spouse with an IRA. 
Well, all the products today allow for like joint lifetime distribution, even if it's your IRA. So it's just such a great way to think about it. Thank you for that. I think that makes a ton of sense. That's one of the things that we talk to our advisors here at DPL about a lot is getting that deferral benefit, right? Buying the annuity earlier rather than the day your client needs income because of the built-in benefits that the insurance company is providing. You're getting the same cost whether you turn on income today or you turn on income 10 years from now. So why wouldn't you allow your clients to benefit from building up some of that deferral credit before accessing the income? I think that makes a ton of sense. Absolutely. For sure. And, you know, Leslie, one more way for advisors to kind of think about the benefits of these products are, you know, if they call you at DPL and they say, you know, Leslie, okay, I'm willing to listen. Show me an income calculation. Here's what I would challenge the advisor. Go look at safe withdrawal rate research. And, you know, depending on the year and the researcher, that might float anywhere from three to 4%. Well, take that same million dollars and look at what is the payout on that safe withdrawal rate and just compare that to something that DPL has available. What you're often going to find is that that client can have a guaranteed withdrawal rate, not just a safe one, a guaranteed one that is 30% higher. I mean, it is a pretty significant increase. And certainly if the market goes down, it's an even bigger increase. But if we just kind of assume a normal market condition or a flat market, whatever you want to assume, it's going to be a significantly better payout. How can insurance companies do that? Because they work on both sides of the equation. They're not just supporting the idea of clients that live too long from the annuity side. On the flip side of that, they also have life insurance supporting clients who die sooner than expected. And so that is how they are able to have a significantly greater payout than bonds are. It's simple kind of economic math of having both sides of that risk equation allows that insurance company to provide a significantly greater payout. So that's how it works. So why wouldn't we want our clients to take advantage of that? That's a great question. It's one I ask myself many times a day, some days. (laughs) So Tommy, tell us a little bit about how specifically working with DPL is helping you employ some of these strategies and how Vestia is leveraging the partnership with your clients. Oh my gosh, it's been absolutely tremendous. So, okay, let's go back to the days before DPL. If we wanted to go learn about products, we had to either go out to lots of different annuity wholesalers who every single time they came in the door, they want you to sell their product and they're telling you why theirs is better than everybody else's. Obviously, it's a very biased system. Or alternatively, we go find a general agency and what they wanted you to sell, although they maybe cloaked it a little better, but usually what they wanted you to sell was whatever had the best management override payout baked into it. And, you know, I've learned that over the years. I've owned a general agency. You get to see the overrides and you realize really quickly, there's a wide differential from company A to company B on the management overrides they're paying out. So in the old days, we would have to go 
basically do our own research inside and out, every single product out there. And, you know, if you think about Reg BI, part of Reg BI is you don't have to know every product under the sun, but you do need to make sure that you don't just get stuck on your favorite one product and you only do that product for everybody who comes in your door. You know, Reg BI is alive. This was not like the DOL fiduciary rule that got squashed. Reg BI is alive and active. And if you're in this space, you have that duty to go find those products. And so for us, that's just a burden. That would take a full-time employee to keep up with it because my experience is these products tend to change every six months or more. And we used to have spreadsheets and databases and people spending a whole bunch of time. And then the day we'd go do a product, it would change. And it was like, we missed it by one day. What DPL allows us to do is they become like having 10 full-time employees who are constantly out there benchmarking products, making sure they understand the market inside and out. But you feel this sense of like, they're on the client's team. They're not out there just pushing the product that's going to give them the biggest management override. We've never experienced any type of sales pressure from DPL or whoa, you should really use this product and try to do it today because you're going to hit some big sales contest. It is all, every single time, it is 100% centered on what's this client situation? Tell me more about it. Okay, tell me about this. We had a question here. Then, okay, here's a few options that we think could be a good fit. What do you think? And what DPL does is then educates our advisors so that they can go back and have a really relevant conversation with our clients to ask them, hey, what do you think about this? This is an opportunity for you. So all the old pressure I used to feel of all that sales stuff, you know, the annuity garbage, I called it, DPL removes all that friction, becomes your like in-house research arm, and then coaches you or your team members every step of the way on what you need to know, what the little nuances are of this product over this product, why this one might be the best fit for your client's situation. And they just make your life easy. And then DPL takes care of, once they understand the situation and what you and the client want to accomplish, they take care of then running all the illustrations, working with the insurance company to track down the right paperwork and making sure you're not missing a deadline by a day. You know, all those things, they just make life so simple for your firm. I just can't fathom that somebody would try to do all that in-house when DPL has just automated it for you. One of the big challenges, a lot of advisors either on the commission or the commission free side face is trying to figure out the right product. And that's one of the things that we've really tried to streamline here to help simplify the decision-making process, but also to ensure to your point that the product that we end up finally deciding on is what's actually in your client's best interest and isn't being recommended based on anything other than 
your client's inputs of the situation and the mathematical analysis behind the solution. And I think that's a really powerful thing to be able to say is it's not insurance gimmicks. It's not who's paying us the most because we're paid the same no matter what. It's all based on what is the best fit for your client. So thanks for thanks for noticing that about us. We love that. <laughs> 100%. So tell me, when you get to the point where it's time for clients to start thinking about annuities, how do you and your team approach the conversation? And how do you continue to demonstrate the value once clients actually own an annuity, but maybe haven't turned on the income? Yeah, this is such an important question, Leslie. So for any of our listeners out there that are, you know, they're in an RIA and they're actually saying, maybe I should look at these things. Here's what I do want to say. The downside with annuities, and if anybody tries to tell you this isn't true, just run away because they're dead wrong. These are complex products. You know, you take out a brokerage statement and you look at a value and you see the positions, and that's pretty simple. With an annuity, especially when you're talking about these guaranteed minimum income benefits or long-term care riders or on and on and on, these riders, these benefits are really, really well done in some products, but they're not easy to communicate. And so here's what I've learned kind of over the last, you know, gosh, I guess almost 15 years of finally using these again, is the way that you communicate with your clients sets the tone for everything. So I'll give you some of my talking points that I use. I'm going to call this the plain English. This is like the, how do you help a client actually understand what their decision points are? First, we already said like, hey, if it's reasonable, doesn't make sense at all for you to spend a little bit of money to have insurance on your portfolio? That's kind of my starting question. We already know the client's risk tolerance. We probably already know how they've handled some of those market conditions, but that's kind of a leading question. Like if it's reasonable, would it make sense at all to have any insurance on your portfolio? Or are you fundamentally opposed to that concept? And what I'm trying to do there in that part of the conversation is, Leslie, is just hit the nail on the head. Like if they've been listening to the radio personalities and they think annuities are a four letter word, I don't want to waste my time or their time. And so, you know, are they fundamentally opposed to having some insurance on their nest egg or on their portfolio? If they say they're not fundamentally opposed to that, then great. Then I'm going to move into having a more focused conversation about how the guaranteed minimum income benefits work in an annuity. And I'm not going to take everybody through the entire conversation here, but here's my highlights. I like distinguishing between an account value and I will also call that the lump sum value. And that's just the normal market value of the annuity product. Market value, account value, lump sum value. I'm going to use those terms synonymously to describe this is the market going up, the market going down. In the products today, we can usually get pretty similar investments as we would get outside of the annuity. So the difference is this is the market going down with some extra cost for insurance on your portfolio. So if the market's up, you won't be up quite as much. If the market's down, you're going to be down a little more because you have some extra cost for the insurance. Okay. Pretty simple to understand that. I think anybody grasps that. 
The other equation from the guaranteed minimum income benefit is what I call the safety net value. And you've heard me say that a lot. I didn't make that term up, got it from a wholesaler a long time ago, but it really resonates and clients understand it. This is the value that is there because of the insurance on your portfolio. And I make sure they understand this is a no lump sum calculation. This is an income calculation, not a lump sum calculation. So we're really distinguishing. That's the most important thing the client needs to understand is liquidity. So they understand I can get a lump sum on this side. I can't get a lump sum on this side. And then from there, it's just helping them understand how that guaranteed minimum income benefit works, whether it's you know, the flat guaranteed increase, whether that's a simple interest calculation or a compound interest calculation. Products are changing even beyond that today. You know, DPL will walk you through all that. You don't have to memorize it all. They're going to keep you up to date as products change, but you're letting them know, okay, if the market is down, if your market value, your lump sum value is down, here's exactly what's going to happen to your income value. If the market's sideways, here's what's going to happen to your income value. And if the market's up, here's what's going to happen to your income value with resets or any of those types of things. And then what I have the client do is I actually use a sample statement from one of those products because I found that is the easiest way to explain it. You know, DPL can provide you with one of those. And I have the client actually write on it. Like I'll have them circle and write in market value. I'll have them circle. They'll write in income value. Then once they actually implement one of these tools, what we've learned is super helpful is every time we have a review meeting after that point, we actually, even if we're using an aggregator software, like an Orion, a Black Diamond, an Adapar, I'm not trying to exclude others, but even if we're using an aggregation software, we still pull out their actual annuity statement. We actually get that, we put it in file, and we pull it out and we have the client then circle their market value. And we have them write on the statement, market value. And we talk about what that means. We have them circle their income value. They write it on the statement. We talk about what it means. Why do we do that? Because these products are only complex if they forget what those two values mean. But once they know what those two values mean, these products are really, really simple. So we're taking the complex and we're actually making it simple, but it takes some education to do that. And here's what I love. Eventually, Leslie, those same clients walk into our office for the review. We pull out the statement and they will eventually say, I know, I know this one's the market value. This one's the income value. Once they get to that point, <laughs> then you can back off. But until they get to that point, just keep doing it. And the feedback from our clients has been, thank you. I appreciate you taking the time because I always forget what this means. And every time I look at it and walk out of here, I feel so much better. And here's the final reminder that we give them is, you know, client, just remember next time you're watching the news and the market tanks, and I don't know when that's going to be, I just know it will be. Next time you're watching the news and the market tanks, which one of these is going down? And they point to the market value. 
And which one of these is going up? And they point to that income value or safety net value. I'll use those interchangeably as well. They'll point to that one. And then I say, okay, you get it. So when you're watching the news and the market goes down, just remember you are paying a little bit every year to have this one. And in that moment, you can have the peace of mind. You don't have to worry about this. When all around you, everybody else, all your friends, whoever, they're all going to be freaking out a little bit. You're going to be able to sit there and say, oh, yeah, I have this safety net value. I don't have to think about what just happened in the news. I mean, it's just such a cool way to live in retirement. And advisors will thank you every time they have to deal with that. Thanks. I think that's a really unique way of positioning the value of the annuity on the front end, but then also reminding clients why we bought this, why this is a piece of your financial plan and how it fits into your overall plan. So thanks for sharing those tips with our audience, Tommy. Absolutely. With that, I think we are ready to go. So thank you, Tommy. Appreciate it. And anything else you'd like to share with our audience before we hop off? Leslie, this has been tremendous. I think I've said my piece. And so I really hope if you're not thinking about nudies with your clients, that at least you're starting to rethink that a little bit. You could not have a better place to go to the next step than DPL. So don't call the annuity companies. Their wholesalers are going to be biased. They just are. Call DPL. Membership with DPL is absolutely 100% worth it. I promise. I'm not paid to say that. I just believe it wholeheartedly. So give them a call, get working with them, and they will take it from there. You do not have to be the world's leading expert. They are. They do that for you. They will arm you with the right amount of information so that you can take really good care of your clients. And that's it. So thank you so much for having me, Leslie. And thank you to DPL for just being such an incredible partner and uh, such a great resource for our firm. Thanks, Tommy. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening. To hear more advisor revelations, go to dplfp.com and subscribe on your favorite podcast streaming app.